Becky was running back to a place she loved and I was tiptoeing into a place that I never knew and I wasn't completely sold on it. And I was also still working through a lot of just the, the anxiety and the unknowns because I, I had never, never lived overseas. That set us up for some definite difficulties. The missionary life. What is it? And who does this kind of thing? Welcome to the Inlander podcast, where we explore the missionary journey through interviews with people serving across a spectrum of places and ministries. Men and women who have left good jobs, sold homes, and said goodbye to the comfortable and familiar, all in answer to Christ's call to share his love among the nations. From remote desert outposts to the bustling streets of some of Africa's busiest urban centers, we look at what it means to pack up a life and follow Christ to the ends of the earth. All right, welcome everyone to an episode of the Inlander podcast. I'm Ashley, I am not Mike. I am also not in Peachtree City right now. I'm in my home in Clarkston, Georgia, and I'm super excited to be interviewing Dan and Becky. Dan and Becky served with us in North Africa for about a year, and they haven't been back that long. So we're really excited to just hear their insights on North Africa, what it was like going as a family, even processing being back and how to continue to be involved. So welcome, Dan and Becky. Hello. Hi. We're glad to be here. Yep. I'm also awesome. like... <laughs> you were also not Mike, but you're on a mic. Right. That was my little pun I was going to throw in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so welcome, guys. Uh, just give everyone a little bit of your background, kind of how you ended up being with us in deciding to go to North Africa. What do you guys do? How many kids do you have? Just tell us all the things. Sure. We'll, we'll kind of answer that kind of in one big clump and, <laughs> and uh, go from there. So back in 2009, uh, before Becky and I got engaged... We had already agreed on our desire to, to one day pursue foreign missions, but we didn't know what exactly that would look like. We're glad we had that conversation before we got married. Um, but as we, we also wanted to have children and, and everything was so hypothetical and mm. um, it's hard to even imagine the world back in 2009, 2010 when this conversation took place. So going into the mission field was something that we maybe envisioned happening after our kids grew up and moved out. If we had kids, if the Lord gave us kids. And he did. He gave us three adorable kids. We have Rosie, who is 10. We have Deborah, who just turned nine. And then we have our son, Max, who also just turned four. And they're a rowdy and fun bunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so our work actually uh, tied into this dream uh, more naturally 
than for most people. Um, even before I met Becky and now with Becky to this day, I, I've been working for a campus ministry called Disciple Makers. And that's where I came to really know and love the Lord and, and his word. Mostly my work for them has been in media. So I do a lot of film and I help attract students and resource all of our staff team across Pennsylvania. Becky has done a lot of counseling work for, for, uh, for Disciple Makers too. Our whole family's kind of gotten involved. So, so reaching out to diverse people, specifically students, and ministering to them has, has been a part of both of our lives for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have exposure to campus ministry until I met Dan. Um, I went to a Bible college, so I didn't even really know what a campus ministry was. Um, but I did have some experience after college working for a small missions agency. I had the opportunity to go on and lead some short-term trips to places like Germany, um, some other places in the Middle East, and also particularly a country in North Africa that uh, really had a special place in my heart. Um, I quickly found out that I really loved Muslim people. They're so hospitable. Mm. They're quick to befriend. They always fed me delicious food. That was great too. Uh, And I think I felt a particular call to the North Africa, Middle East area, because as I learned about church history, I realized that these are places that received some of the the first uh, apostolic groups that were sharing the gospel. And some of them were were quick to believe the gospel, but it was a, a thing that got kind of uh, lost as um, as the uh, Arab groups came through later, and uh, there's only traces of biblical history there. But so much as that has been lost, and it's an area of great need, uh, sadly, despite its rich history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so Becky had all that experience, but I only had kind of fond memories of foreign missionaries coming to speak to at the church I grew up in. Um, as the youngest in my family, I at least had a little heart for adventure. Um, and I would watch these missionaries come and they would tell stories and, and show pictures and serve us really, really spicy food. And I would think, yeah, maybe <laughs> I could do that. Um, but I never I never found or pursued a particular people group to fall in love with. I just worked where I could and I wanted to be useful to ministries that I really believed in. Um, and since our work with Disciple Makers is near Penn State's main campus, um, we've over the years been able to meet plenty of international people. Um, so they weren't, they were coming to us, but our family hadn't yet gone overseas to them. Mm-hmm. I also thought I would mention too, while I had a couple of experiences with being overseas, it was all single. So as Dan and I were talking, mm. hypothetically, we loved the idea of, of doing uh, something together, but I just had no idea what that would look like. Mm-hmm with a family or all all of my experience was single. So missions. Yes. With a family shrug. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Kind of like, I feel like for a lot of people, it's like you think about going as a family and your, your mind feels kind of fuzzy. You're like, I just don't know (laughs) what that would look like and what kind of opportunities would be out there. So how did you end up kind of figuring that out even for this like year long trip? Um, well, yeah, like to get from where we were to AIM t- tells a little bit of a story. So we'll we'll just kind of 
break it down for you a little bit along the way. Um, Disciple Makers has, being a campus ministry, they have a fall conference and it brings in students from all these different campuses. And we've often welcomed other organizations to come in and speak because these students are coming from everywhere and then going everywhere. And of course, we love the idea of global missions. So we want to invite in other companies to be a part of that. And uh, and so um, Africa Inland Mission actually came in, I think it was 2016. Mm-hmm. And we really liked them. And we became friends with one of the, the mobilizers. It's the Northeast Mobilizer. Can we say her name? Is that cool? You can say it. <laughs> Christina. Hi, Christina. Christina. Shout out, Christina. Hi, Christina. Shout out, Christina. <laughs> Call us. <laughs> yeah, and and around this time too, uh, I I took the the perspectives class with a friend of mine at church and really appreciated that. Uh, was growing in a lot of knowledge and understanding of what's happening in um, movement for Christ around the world. And then the year after that, Dan was able to take the perspectives class. So then that sparked a lot of conversation Mm -hmm. uh, between us. And we started talking a little bit more about some of the logistics of if we would go as a family with young kids. At this point, our daughters were ages two and four. And Mm -hmm. we had often thought, we'll do that maybe when they're older or maybe when we're empty nesters. But we started realizing what great opportunities we had to meet people with young kids when mm-hmm. we would go to parks mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. out in the community. They were really good mm-hmm. at helping us start conversations with people or students on campus. Yeah. Now, now mm-hmm. Becky had a lot of practical experience. So she was a little bit more, hey, let's go for it. And I was a little bit more like, well, well, maybe. And um, so Decide Makers actually had summer missions trips that they would send like students on 10 day trips and kind of like what Becky led. So I actually, ironically at that time got asked to go to one and it was to London um, with an organization called London Bridges that does summer evangelism. Muslims will come from all over the Middle East to get out of the heat, to go to London for the summer. And then, man, you can meet them and give them a Bible and they can take it back to their home country. Like, what are you kidding? Like, what a great, it was super, super great organization. So I was like, let me go on that and dip my toes in kind of being on a team, Mm. going overseas. It's really short. So there's a lot of street conversations, a lot of getting yelled at. Um, (laughs) And, it was eye-opening for me. It at least moved me forward and was like, okay, so that's maybe a little bit more like it, what it would be like. Um, so I would consider that a, a good first step. Yeah. And around this mm. time, prompted by things that we had been talking about from our time-taking perspectives, I started thinking about which organizations I knew that were in North Africa and started doing a little research and started um uh, connecting with some of them online. And I filled out a a contact card, like an online contact card for AIM at that point, because I knew that they were active in the area. At the time, not even thinking about how I knew Christina personally. (laughs) (laughs) I was just sort of thinking kind of mechanically about it. And of course, sure enough, she was the one who reached out and said, hey, I know you. You help me connect with students. <laughs> also, what? You? Let's talk more. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a neat time to really share with her some of the things that Dan and I had been thinking about mm-hmm. our interest in that area of the world. Mm-hmm. And 
where we could see ourselves plugging in because we just had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then though, as we, as AIM started going from the back of our minds to kind of the front of our minds, um, then we had Max, our third mm. kid and our first nice. son. And, <laughs> and a bit of a surprise. Got, yeah. Got, <laughs> got, got sovereign, you know, we, we knew what we were doing, but Hey, there you are. <laughs> and um yeah. so it, that, that that was kind of a bit of a pause mm-hmm. I'll, I'll honestly share too around that time i as somebody who already was a little bit more reserved of the two of us really started struggling a lot with anxiety mm-hmm. and a lot of things just really started pushing against me mm-hmm. and making me want to hit the pause we still kind of inched forward um that that country north africa becky mentioned and was a place AIM, AIM could get us into. So we still started like, well, maybe Dan could take a trip specifically there mm. and check it out. Because though we both had a desire to go, the fact that now we have a third kid and he's like less than one. And mm-hmm. the idea of sending <clears throat> Becky, would we probably wouldn't get a lot out of it. It would probably just be super exhausting and not clarifying. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe I'll go. And that was in uh, all that happened in January of 2020. Oh gosh! And, and then something happened. <laughs> something happened. The funniest something thing happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My my, my trip got canceled, and yeah. I was like, "Is?" And we were just kind of like, "Is is that it?" Um, mm. But it just kind of ate at us, you know. We we wanted to do something before our kids got any older, and I just thought, you know. I do not want to wait 10 years and look back and be like, what if I just, as, as conservative I, as I was with kind of being like a trailblazer and pushing forward, um, I, I couldn't help it. So, so we kind of, we kind of made a 10 day trip happen. Mm -hmm. I'm sure my, my work supervisors and the other church, (laughs) I was an elder. I mean, I'd just become an elder at my church. I'm sure for them, it was a little jarring. But we, we decided to push forward and we took a 10-day trip to that magic country, North Africa, mm. that Becky went to and we were thinking of. And, and this was Dan and me together doing this. Yeah. We had okay. some wonderful help with some people at our church who watched our kids. We had a two-year-old at this point. Yeah. yeah. And some wonderful couples from our church each yeah. took a couple of days and yeah. they, they covered the week and a half. Yeah. That oh my we gosh, were that just gives me chills. That literally yeah. just gave me chills because it's yeah. just so beautiful to see the body come around each other oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And, yay. And, okay. and we tell them yeah, all the blessing. time and we've all got supporters that were like, you know, like you're there with us and they're probably thinking, yeah, right. But seriously, if you're, su- if you're a supporter, you really do. Like yeah. if you're helping people go, yeah. you're really going with them because they couldn't go without you. Yeah. Um, so we visited a learning center. We fell in love with how it could intersect with all of our lives, that even our children could play a part by attending. So we all went for years of family to serve at that particular school. That is awesome. So you've been on this journey. You get to take the 10-day trip. You see God like working on your heart, even like post-pandemic and anxiety. <laughs> and like you get there. And so just tell us a little bit about what it was like adjusting, were there any expectations that like you had about how it would feel or what life would look like that weren't met that you just kind of didn't know it was going to be mm-hmm. like this and, mm-hmm. or, but also like the happy side, like unexpected yeah. joys, you yeah. know? So yeah, share yeah. Uh, some of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, for me, it was really exciting because I had been in this country as a single woman and really loved it and had really hoped that I could take Dan there at some point. And now I was taking the whole family there. So I was really excited. Like I felt like I was welcoming welcoming them into um, just a really neat experience I had had in learning to, to trust the Lord in this place and mm. taking them to a place that sort of felt a little bit like a second home, even though I hadn't been there in a long time, just really loved the people in the culture. So it was exciting for me. For Dan, it, he was maybe a little bit more tentative. Yeah, yeah the, the complexity of this and even a preview for the dramatic part of the podcast is, um, <laughs> is um, Becky was running back to a place she loved and I was tiptoeing into a place that I never knew and I mm. wasn't completely sold on it. Mm. And I was also still working through a lot of just the, the anxiety and the unknowns because I, I had never, never lived overseas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that um that set us up for some definite difficulties uh, at mm-hmm. the front end of the trip, and I'll I'll pause there and let you ask all the questions now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about that anxiety piece because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people. I mean, we know, especially like the generations coming up, are like the mm-hmm. most anxious generations mm-hmm. yet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And can you speak at all to? Hey, I'm someone who has anxiety. Mm-hmm. Does this mean yeah. I can't go? Or oh, like, how man. do you yeah. discern when it's like something you can cope with overseas yeah. and maybe something mm. you should pause on? What was that like? Yeah. The, well, the funny thing about anxiety is like in the Bible, we read, of course, more than, uh, more than any other command, we read, do not fear. Mm. And yet we're just so good at it. Um, <laughs> um, to, to maybe help unpack that, when we got there, Becky, of course, naturally threw herself into, into the, into the, you know, being out with kids, she was constantly meeting moms, being in a Muslim mm-hmm. country. They're so welcoming. Becky was getting all the opportunities and she was throwing herself into the teaching role at the learning center. And so I just kind of receded. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, I don't want to over dramatize things, you know, like I was, doing the work, but I kind of silently took on the role of keeping the family above water mm. through a lot of the early sickness and, and stress of just being mm. in, in, a, in a foreign country. In, in other words, um, in, in any family, there's always the, the balance of trailblazing and caring for the family. Yeah. And I felt Becky doing a lot of the trailblazing, so I kind of went all in on keeping the family um, kind of above water. And I, it's not that I was feeling bitter, maybe a little, but I was feeling more like useless. Like, mm. well, I guess this is kind of how I'm helping here. And I didn't know how long that was going to last because I'd never done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do feel like in North Africa, in Muslim contexts, it is a lot easier for women to get plugged in with other women, men with other men. Mm-hmm. Like that is a challenge. So yeah. were there any ways you saw like the team working toward having more avenues with men? Was it mostly the fishing yeah. you know, days or like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. Well, one of the complexities is that we were the first family that ever short-termed it in this particular part of, of North Africa. Mm-hmm. So, that was already a conflicting factor in that 
we were sort of a new type of worker there and we were just <laughs> flailing a bit <laughs> although we were we were earnest about it and a lot of good was done but honestly being in that foreign country context i just kind of didn't have a clear measuring stick i just thought yeah i guess overseas missionaries are supposed to feel burnt out all the time mm. and so I just thought, I, I guess I should I raise my hand at this point? I don't know. Like I'm on fire a little. At what point do I need to? Because everybody just looks like they're doing so much. There, yeah. there were a lot of good opportunities, but honestly, I just kind of didn't know what was appropriate or or useful. And part of that is the experience and the challenge of being mm -hmm. overseas is mm -hmm. you don't know what you don't know. And it's mm -hmm. going to be hard and you can't fully prepare though you should. But I just, I just had to walk. We just had to walk through yeah. that. But I felt a little bit like I was walking alone. Yeah. Okay. So, so what was it like when you guys would come together and then Becky being like, how was it? And you kind of expressing some of that. I'm having trouble figuring out mm -hmm. how to feel kind of like fulfilled. Yeah. What was yeah. that like to kind of encourage him in that? And was there any other insight that kind of did help you guys mm -hmm. walk through that together? Yeah. Man, that would have been really nice if I'd have done that like right away, huh? <laughs> it's hard though. You were adjusting to so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I why think, don't you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I think sometimes that, that was maybe the hard part is because anxiety can be very isolating. Like mm -hmm. it causes us to turn really inside on ourselves. And I think sometimes you might even be thinking that you're being honest, but you're you're not always able to articulate the parts that are hard. One of the things I would try to do was try to tell Dan how much the things that he was doing were really helping me to get out and meet some of the people, like mm. thanking him, saying, hey, I'm having this opportunity uh, and you making sure that the kids are fed right now is a huge part of mm -hmm. me being able to be yeah. present with this person right now. So thanks for doing that. It, it was tricky to figure out how to, how to talk about things when I knew I was having such a great mm -hmm. time. And for him, it was a little bit more of an uphill battle. Yeah. And at least part of it too, and this will maybe allude to like advice down the line to give mm -hmm. to anybody considering this, but I feel like we were so prepared to shepherd our kids mm -hmm. through this that we, for, like I forgot to prepare myself mentally. Mm -hmm. And in a way you can't, to be fair, but like we worked so hard and I remember arriving, I hadn't slept on the plane. Mm. I hadn't slept on the van. So I'm going two days after dragging my wife out of our house because we couldn't pack another box because we didn't have time. <laughs> and we finally arrive in this place and our team leader, I remember I'm staring out the window mm. and my team leader is explaining to me how to hook up a little propane tank to this thing so that we can have hot, hot showers. Mm. And I, I was like, I didn't know that that's, that was going to be part of this. And I'm just staring out the window. Like I'm going to be doing this for a year and mm. I have no idea how I'm going to do this. And I think mm. I just thought I'd figure it out. And honestly, it might've just been part of the pride of like, maybe I should have told myself earlier, like, but what if you don't? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, and that kind of crashed into us a bit and we sort of rode it through the fall on adrenaline. But honestly, mm -hmm. when, when the only reason I really started coming out of it was 
around the time 2023 ended and 20 or 2022 ended and 2023 really started, we started getting into more healthy routines Yeah, with kind of work-life balance. And I just started, the Lord very kindly directed me and helped me to start doing some work that I was actually good at. Mm. And then I realized how bad I was doing. <laughs> you ever oh, do that? Like yes. you start doing something you're good at and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, like I didn't realize happiness could be an option, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like yeah. you're just in it so long that it seems normal. Mm. But then the Lord kindly shows you stuff you're good at. And you're like, oh man, like that was really hard back there. And I was just running, running myself into the ground. and didn't know it. So the Lord was super gracious to, to do that. I started doing a, leading a conversation club. So mm. now I'm getting to kind of throw parties in English. Mm. And I love doing all of those things. And I'm, all these young guys are coming. And I'm able to share the good news with them. And now I feel like I'm back doing campus ministry because they're all in their 20s wondering what to do with their lives. And I'm just, I'm in my briar patch. Like, I'm happy doing that. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, like, that was an option. I could have done that out of the gate, but I just kind of didn't think of it. Talk a little bit about the culture. You had mentioned earlier, Becky, a little bit about some of that, like, biblical history and those times of, like, where the gospel was there you know, it's a little lost because of the Arab influence. You just talk about how deep that is for our listeners who might not be as familiar Mm. with North Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Without getting to be too much of a boring historian, which I (laughs) tend to do sometimes. Um, Yeah. I, I, I just had known that there had been Christians in this area centuries before, but that wasn't the case anymore. In fact, the influence of Islam had really uh, swept in and impacted not just the the culture, but also the government. The way that worked is that everyone in the country was was seen as a Muslim, whether they saw themselves as that or not. And I, I knew that even from interacting with young adults in American culture, not everyone necessarily uh, espouses the, the beliefs of the majority culture. There are always those mm-hmm. outliers. The really neat part about Muslim culture is talking about God is so baked into life. Like mm-hmm. when you greet someone on the street, it's it's peace to you and peace back at you, my friend. And very quickly, <laughs> when you ask them, how are you How are you doing? And they're saying, I'm, I'm doing well by the grace of God. <laughs> and mm-hmm. oh, well, here we go. We're talking about God already. So mm-hmm. it's not abnormal to start talking about spiritual things very quickly and start trying to uncover what do they think about God or sharing with them what I think about God. Mm-hmm. I found it to be the case, as is often the case in a park, you have lots of moms and kids playing. So it's the chance to sit down and try to talk with someone. I would often realize that I didn't have a lot of local language to have a deeper conversation, but people were so quick to think of the English speaker that they knew to to try to help translate for us. So as I'd be sitting there talking with a group of ladies, uh, they would call up a, an English speaking cousin on the phone to try to get some translation oh, wow. going, or they would hang out with me for a little while. But they were they kept looking for an English speaker who could come and interact with me. They wanted me to feel welcome. So as soon as that would happen, yeah, then I would have an English English speaker Mm -hmm. that I could start Mm -hmm. talking with and they would ask, 
Yeah. Why are you here? What are you doing? What brought you here? And I wow. could try to find a way mm-hmm. to connect that mm-hmm. to my spiritual life and 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 open the door by mm-hmm. saying like, I I visited here once mm-hmm. long ago and loved it so much. I asked God if I could come back and bring my family mm-hmm. and introduce them to the beautiful people here. And God really answered that. And now here I am. And uh, here's my family and I, I get to serve at this learning center and they would just be amazed to hear me talk about God and what I mm. was learning about him that they would uh, want to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I love how when I've interacted with people who don't speak my language, we've used uh, Google Translate. Like I'll quickly pull out Google Translate, but I love how like their community oriented culture was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. let me find an English speaker. Yeah. Like yeah. not go to my phone and like, yeah. let's just translate using a device. Like yeah. I'm going to find a person and you're going to be connected yeah. to the community. Yeah. So that is, that is really cool. Yeah. Okay. So you're back now. How long have you been back? A uh, month and a half, two. Oh no, two months tomorrow, oh, right? Two. Wow. Okay. I took the calendar on. Yeah. That. Yeah. About two months. <laughs> Debriefing that trip. Uh, what was most formative about it, and just kind of like, what are you guys asking yourselves now as you process the experience? Um. Yeah, it's a lot because we're kind of in the middle of that right now, yeah. which is funny. I didn't. I think culturally, I got back quickly. Cause we mm. were in the city yeah. um, physically. I just got back, you know, in terms of like jet lag and physical exhaustion and just stuff, the tiredness. but yeah. like spiritually, I'll, I'll kind of let you know when I'm back. Like that's, it's, mm. I kind of feel like we're in two different worlds still, mm. or we're, we're in this world, but that world just keeps popping up. When you leave, when you go to a place and you put so much into it mm. and then you come back um, uh, not to be morbid, but, but here goes like, it's like a few months after you go to a funeral, mm. like for a family, for like a dear family member, you, you said goodbye, or, or maybe you say, see you later. And everyone around you was so gracious and they brought you free food for a while, you know, and when we got back, all of that stuff really happened in our, our support system has been really, really great. But but now we're we're kind of normal. Like I can't blame jet lag anymore. <laughs> um, I'm just like, nope, this is who I am as a person. I'm just <laughs> tired and forgetful and yeah. and and nobody else went with us. So they don't have any deep follow-up questions, even though they mm. love us. Mm. Um, most people I think probably assume we're, we're pretty good now, or we're kind mm. of okay. Cause we look okay and we, and we sound okay. But some of the mixed feelings about leaving have held, mm. held, have held on a lot longer than, than we thought. Mm. Does that begin to answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So just like, it was really hard to leave, huh? Yeah. I think it was, maybe you could, you could speak to being mixed more. Like I was excited like I felt like when we ended, I was, if there was any mixed feelings, I felt like, oh man, I'm just getting started. Like the spring kicked mm. in. I did all just this got media. used to it. I did yeah. media stuff. I started nailing the language down. I started sharing the good news with a lot more people, but I felt like I had pretty good closure, and I was happy mm. to get back and sort of make sense of it. And 
you know, I had a renewed zeal for the local church because we kind of didn't have one over there. It was kind of more mm. underground, you know, which is a probably a whole nother podcast episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Becky, maybe you could speak more to the kind of the mixed feelings because I think you had a good grasp on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I was feeling really tired in the spring because I had been teaching a very full load and mm. managing family and community interactions. I was I was definitely feeling tired and kind of wanting a vacation. So I was looking forward to a summer break, but I wasn't necessarily looking forward to completely leaving. Yeah. And it's, it's tricky because again, it's like, it's an experience that all your most trusted friends at home didn't share. Yeah. So yeah. they can't relate and that's fine. But ev- the only people that get it are in my house. I want to say that to encourage anybody in that if it feels awkward for a while, my guess is just about anybody else in our shoes would say, yeah, that's, that's about what to expect. Mm. That's okay. It's okay yeah, that that yeah. isn't okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also, cause I feel like that could also easily in our hearts get twisted to be like, Oh, well maybe that means I shouldn't have left. Like, because you miss it, because you feel that sense of like, oh, I really feel connected to these people in this community. Does that mean I should be there? And it's like, well, not necessarily. Like, you can be burdened for people and have loved the experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something wrong. And I can imagine that would be a hard thing to fight. Yeah. The guilt of that, that could be twisted, you know. And some of the other guilt I felt was, man, especially when I got back, it was like, Dan, if you would have if you would have just worked out your issues sooner, Mm. you could have done so much more. It's kind of like if you, to quote the ancient movie, like Schindler's list, you know, when at the end, when he's just tearfully saying like, I could have saved so many more people Mm. and that's not how it works anyway. Like God does the saving. Right. But like from an earthly perspective, like, yeah, I could have done more, but I think the Lord honestly, in the same way, Moses was just in the wilderness for 40 years tending sheep before God was like, all right, now I'm going to show you how to tend real sheep. Mm. I think it was like that. And I just don't want to be bitter about that because I think the Lord just had to show me my own heart. And Mm. I think that really helped me to, that's really helped me to fight that unhelpful sense of shame. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to let those what ifs. Yeah. Take over. Cause I definitely had some what ifs too, even though I felt like I was having such a, a great experience there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times where I thought, oh, well, what if I would have known how to better help Dan? Or mm. what if I um, would have asked more people for help? Or what if this mm. or what if that? Yeah. Um, but the truth is, God was writing a story. We were part of it. Yep. And now we get to continue learning mm-hmm. about the Lord yep. and ourselves in it as we reflect yep. on it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like too, what you're hitting on with all of the what ifs, we are all imperfect people going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's encouraging for people to hear because I think, you know, there's that stigma of like people who go overseas are the super Christians, the superheroes of the faith who've got it all figured out. And it's like, no, a lot of us have anxiety or we argued and we were hesitant. And it's just like really encouraging to be like, but you can still be obedient and go. Yeah. Uh, would love to hear you share specifically two families mm-hmm. who want to consider going or going 
for something like a year like you guys did, mm-hmm. uh, what are even questions you know they might be asking? Yeah. Um, maybe I, I, maybe I could share something with the husbands listening. Um, I'll especially speak to any husband who can maybe relate to any of like the struggles that I had. My advice is if, if you feel any calling to do this, that's enough to at least move forward a little bit. I, I shared some hesitations with, with our, with Christina, our mobilizer, when we accepted the assignment, um, I remember telling her, I'm not going to make it onto your brochure for saying this, but this trip kind of feels like a black hole. Mm. Like I'm getting sucked towards it. And the main reason I'm saying yes is I, I have, it's like, I can't say no. Aside from saying, yeah, a lot of people say that. She said, this is a paraphrase. Most <laughs> families your age are settling for the, the picket fence mm. and a comfortable life. So if you're even thinking about this, you're actually probably a good candidate. Mm. That's cool. That's encouraging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Becky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know for me, I really wanted us to go on this trip, but there were some times I got really hung up in the logistics thinking, well, the vision is to go, but how on earth are we going to get there? <laughs> mm. And I think it was really helpful for me to ask for help, like ask for help from people in our church. Like I already expressed how different families in our church watched our kids so we could go mm. on a vision trip and check mm-hmm. this out together. And there were people who came into our house and helped us pack things up. There were people who watched our kids so that we could uh, do things. And that was really helpful. And it, and it, and it even played into life on the field too, because when we when we got there, we needed to ask for help. We needed mm. to ask people to drive us mm-hmm. to a store so that we could get things. Just get used to asking for help. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. something we all need, I think. Yeah, here yeah. or there. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys to be like a kind of little plug for North Africa. So mm. give <laughs> the families, give the people listening, just a little plug for why North Africa, if they're considering going. The place we were was so open to new ideas. Mm. Just the particular part of North Africa that the Lord put us in. The the men were bilingual, trilingual. Um, It was very diverse cultures. And you could tell so quickly that the mandated state religion was not winning their hearts. Mm. You could tell so quick, like I got so used to it and the young men would open up to me so quickly if I just asked a few questions about what they believed. Mm. And the opportunities I had, especially on the back end, um, to get out there and to to talk to the, the young men and to plant seeds of the gospel, whether it was just sticking in a, sticking a pebble in what they believed in their shoe, mm. you know, and helping them sort of like question or doubt this thing that they've just assumed or just opening up the Bible, sharing my testimony. There were so many people that would just say to me, I didn't know that that's what you believed. Mm. Um, and the opportunity I'll say to the dads here that you have to impact the young men are innumerable 
And so you can actually take advantage of the fact that they're already excited to Mm. talk about what they believe. Mm. That's exciting. And even just the need in North Africa. Mm. I mean, I think a lot of people maybe don't understand the lack of gospel access or haven't heard. Mm -hmm. Would you speak to kind of what you learned in the process of going Mm -hmm. to North Africa and just the gospel access? I mean, I think it's about 99.6% Muslim, I think. Um, Yeah, it's pretty high. But yeah, I mean, since Islam's tied to the government, to be a North African is to be a Muslim. So they think to be an American is to be a Christian. So you can already knock down that stereotype pretty quickly um, because most of them haven't been there because they can't leave. Mm. Um, You're you're not allowed to. They want to protect their their sort of heritage, their economy. And so they make it very, very hard to leave. But man, in light of of that that religious background, um, they they are just they're just so used to that being normal mm-hmm. and they have no idea what freedom is mm. that man you can do so much just by introducing even the smallest new idea to them uh any final thing you want to add or share with our listeners just yeah an encouragement about the lord and his character yeah. and his kindness and where he yeah. met you and where he's going to meet them before we sign off um, when I got over there and everything was taken away from me, all my little comforts, the little things that I would run to, to sort of numb myself to my own weakness, mm. so much of that was gone. Like you could fit all the Christians in one little room in the whole country. Mm. And mm. I just realized very quickly, like, do you do you really believe the Lord as much as you tell people? Mm. And I say that redemptively, like the Lord just, held up a mirror very kindly and mm. I was able to say not really okay now what mm. and we just I worked through that and the Lord just showed his goodness and connected me with men there who could who could just walk with me through low points and our team mm. leader I remember everything I shared what I loved so much about him is every time I shared a struggle I had he'd be like yeah I remember that one like mm. I remember having that and he would just so hopefully he would point me to scripture. He would walk me through how he got through it and how the Lord was gracious. And um, to me, that helped me to understand that the Lord is so much bigger than I thought. And I'm so mm. much smaller. And all of that is how the kingdom of God moves forward. Just ask John mm. the Baptist, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So one of the things that the Lord was really teaching me while we were there was just a continued reminder of how important prayer is. I think it's really Mm. easy to say that, but to experience it as I'm praying for something and, and I see the Lord continue to reshape my prayers as I keep praying them to get them more specific, to really help me figure out where I needed to go in reaching my community or how specifically I should pray about how I wanted God to answer that prayer. Um, Like for instance, I worked with children who were under 18 and I knew that I could not share the gospel with them. That would be a big no-no in the community. Mm. And that really burdened my heart because of course I'm with these kids all day. I want them to Mm. know Jesus. 
And there was one boy in particular that I just really loved a whole bunch. And his friends in the school were believers. Um, but I knew that I couldn't share Jesus with him, though I wanted to. Yeah, so that, I started. That would actually be illegal. I would have been illegal. Yeah. That yeah, would have really yeah. been a, that would have gotten us all in big trouble. So I started praying for him and praying for his family. And I saw the Lord open opportunities for for me to get in his home and get to know his mm. family. And one of the biggest answers to prayer was I saw one of the boys on our on our team share the gospel with him. Aww. And that was great because it was okay for him to do that. It was a conversation just between these two boys. Yep. And I had nothing to do with it, mm -hmm. but I prayed for it. Yep. And the Lord showed me the answer to that prayer request. And I got to high five that young boy and thank him for obeying mm -hmm. Jesus yeah. and mm. being part of our team together. Um, so that was pretty special just to see the Lord refine what I prayed for and to see him answer it in really cool ways. That's another good reason to take your kids. I mean, they can go places you can't in Muslim yeah. communities. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yep. Man, praise God. That's amazing. Yep. Well, for everyone listening, we're going to leave some links to our Creative Access Ministry so you can learn more. And thank you so much, guys, for just sharing so honestly in your hearts. And I still want to talk to you, so I'll probably be bugging you guys <laughs> and Christina about your journey and how it's all Do going, that. just processing your experience. So thank you guys for joining us, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks thank for you. having us. Yep. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Inlander podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. Inlander is a production of Africa Inland Mission, a Christian mission agency dedicated to outreach among Africa's remaining unreached peoples. For more about our work and how you can get involved, visit us at aimus.org or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. For additional information and resources, see the show notes. And thanks again for listening.